Alrighty, welcome back everyone to another exciting episode of What the V. Today I have Evelyn with us today. She is a physical therapist, a PT, an ATC, and a CEO. Evelyn actually ended up earning her Bachelor of Science in Physical Education with a minor in athletic training from Brooklyn College while also receiving her BS in physical therapy from Hunter College. She is a certified athletic trainer, a practicing physical therapist specializing in chronic pain, pelvic floor dysfunction, orthopedics, and spine for over 25 years. Evelyn, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to share insights and help, help your followers learn more things. Absolutely. I wanted to take us back, right? Take me back 20 years ago. Where was it? Mid to late 90s in New York City. What was this medical community like? What did some of these conversations sound like? Because as I was doing, you know, some of this background research, I found out that pelvic floor dysfunction started 20 years ago and it wasn't recognized as a medical specialty. Yes, thanks for asking. So my first job out of college uh, as a physical therapist um, was in a hospital, and I saw I was I saw a lot of uh, international clients. Work I worked in a really upscale, um, world-renowned hospital, and so because I had lived abroad when I was younger, I spoke some languages. Um, I was given a lot of the dignitaries, and they would ask me invariably about their pelvic issues, which nobody was speaking about, but they were very mm. free with it. And I guess my energy allowed them to be comfortable with asking, Evelyn, how can I have a baby if, I, if, if sex is painful? Or do you know anything about I constantly have to pee? Or I'm, I'm constipated, I'm so bloated, I look pregnant, and I just don't know what to do. And so I asked my colleagues, are you getting these questions? Because I never heard this, and I had, we didn't learn about pelvic floor issues in school. We did do anatomy, but that was about it. Um, so because I'd gotten all these questions, I asked my colleagues, and they looked at me with, like, blank eyes, like they'd never gotten these questions. And I was getting them almost every week number of them a week. So I thought, well, maybe there's something about me or about the pelvis that I should go into because I'm kind of spiritual in some way. And I thought the, for lack of a better word, the universe is calling me or the, the gods of, <laughs> of healing were saying go to the pelvis. So, so that's basically what I started to look into. And um, as I looked into it, uh, there wasn't many courses given at that time, so I started mm -hmm. doing my own self-study, and then a wonderful organization, Herman and Wallace, they gave their first course, and I was like the first one in to learn, like, what is pelvic stuff? And it's muscles there, it's nerves there, and we treat the lower back, we treat the neck and upper body, we treat all the body, so why can't we treat the pelvis? So right. that was my first step. Fascinating. Did you know that for your occupation, you always wanted to be a physical therapist? Uh, well, yeah, I, I think I was just 
naturally loving movement and the science of movement and the science of healing. I love that stuff. And I sort of got into it through sports. I was very athletic, you know, track and field, a little soccer. Um, and, uh, but, and I kept getting pulled to the sacrum, the lower back and the pelvis. So I kept being drawn there by patients. And so, mm. uh, I decided to, open a practice uh, and focus on pelvic physical therapy, and there was nobody doing it in the city. There, I think there may have been one urogynecologist, and everybody, I have to say, there was a lot of mixed reactions by my colleagues and doctors because they were like, right. what are you doing there? Isn't it taboo? Are you, are you licensed to do even look at that area? There's a lot of like, ooh, pushback, but I'm from Brooklyn, and I don't, I don't mind what other people think about me. I don't, which is incredible because if I did, I wouldn't have done this work. So I said, you know what? But it's helping people. I'm learning how mm. to relax, how to help people relax your inner thigh muscles. I'm learning how to help people recruit the pelvic floor and release them. Um, it's, it was still very young in this, you know, in this world of pelvic therapy. We didn't really know much about how the brain is involved, how the nervous system, immune system, and brain is involved with the pelvis. But at that time, I did some classic pelvic physical therapy and patients were getting better. So I moved on um, and went full into the, into the practice and then mm. was, was uh, asked by NYU to start their uh, pelvic health uh, program for their doctors of physical therapy, the candidates. And Stony Brook asked me as well. So I designed a program because I saw there a lot of physical therapy students were like, ooh, the pelvis. I don't know about that. I'm, I'm ooh about it. So um, I decided I needed to treat, to teach um, on incoming physical therapy students. So I started to do that. And I think New York City was like a big booming area for pelvis because there are more students being exposed, lack of a better word, sure, <laughs> to the pelvis. Absolutely. Okay. Um what at what point did you have this aha moment right so like early in your career you venture off on your own open up your own practice essentially at what point where you were like yeah okay this is helping women this is very much value add and it's not only going to add value in their life but it's going to increase the quality of life so i'm not sure how to answer your question because i saw the shift of shame that patients had come in with, I'm so embarrassed about this. I can't talk to my husband about this. I'm not even looking for a boyfriend. This is heterosexual. I'm not even looking for a boyfriend because I know I don't even want to talk about how much burning sensation I have here, or I don't want yeah. to get a UTI. So the, 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 the amount of head down shame, just mm. hopelessness, I mean, really affects, you know, if you're, if you feel like you can't engage in a relationship what that that's devastating and so there's a lot of right. psychological worry what if i can't yeah. how am i going to live like this can i live like this a lot of pretty intense emotional dysfunction of course if they're having constant need to pee i won't go to i can't go hang out with my girlfriends because i'm going to have to get up and go to the bathroom you know five times in an hour how embarrassing mm. is that so a lot of social withdrawing so um, I hope I answered your question. It was, it was absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of overlap as I've been doing a deep dive into the vaginal microbiome, right? So my experience is with chronic UTIs and was experiencing that with 
the partner that I had at the time. And as I mentioned, I think as a result of going through that traumatic period of one UTI to the next, I essentially had one at least once a month for like two, two and a half years. Yeah, it was pretty horrendous. And um, I think just a continuation of antibiotic use, but also, you know, being under constant inflammation has had its own negative adverse side effects on the pelvic function, because at the end of the day, there is muscle tissue there. Right. There's muscle tissue there. So first of all, I am so sorry that you had to go and I, I'm obviously you're still experiencing, I don't know the details, you don't have to say, but you're experiencing the ramifications because Correct. not only have you feel the physical um, re response from this horrific feeling, um, but there's also worry. Oh, is this always going to be, um, I, am I going to get another UTI if I have, if I'm with the same partner or if I move on to other people, is that still going to be, um, is this, mm. this is, added worry and am I going to get a yeast infection? I'm going to, do I have to take more medicines for the rest of my life? Who wants to live like that? Um, yeah, it, it's, it is devastating. Um, but as, but as I mentioned before the, to you personally, there is such good news because we are learning why does the body react with a chronic UTI or react with urge or have that burning or itching mm -hmm. consistently after you've gone to doctors and you've you know, ruled out major underlying causes. We're learning, and I've seen it because I've, I've implemented this information to my patients and to my members of Pelvic Sense. Um, so sure. there is such an incredible shift that can happen um, with this knowledge and with implementing um, new strategies to heal. Sure. What's the biggest challenge that you say you're facing right now and how are you tackling it? Because I do feel like we have come a very long way from 20 years ago in the city where people were like anti, this is taboo, right? Yes. If that's, if that's, if those were the remarks that they were making. What are, what are some of the present day challenges? So the present day challenges in um, pelvic physical therapy is number one, pelvic physical therapists, we're very expensive. We're too expensive. We mm. charge two to $300 a session. Um, the second thing is that a lot of people don't have the time to come to our sessions on a regular basis, twice a week, once a week for eight or eight sure. weeks. Um, the, the, the amount of pelvic physical therapists out there doesn't match the, the need. So there are not as many. So there's huge waiting lists. Maybe you'll see a therapist for a visit. You know, you call, you'll get somebody to see you two months, and then they can't see you for the next month. So there's not a lot of consistency. Mm. So okay. I saw this. I was in my practice. I saw I was a boutique Upper East Side, beautiful practice, basically treating the, treating the wealthy. Um, not reaching the majority of women in chronic pelvic pain. Um, sure. And I, I uh, so that was for me a biggest like, what can I do? Because I'm reading, I'm in the field now 20 years, I'm reading Facebook posts of devastation. I've gone to 15 yes. doctors, I've seen a physical therapist, I've done the medication. Guess what, ladies? I'm still dealing with these issues. I'm, I, I am hopeless. So I, I recognize that in the last five to 10 years of, of me being in practice, when I implemented 
uh, new pain science information and taught people mind work to do along with body work um, mm -hmm. that had shifted their, their symptoms big time. Uh, I thought that our people are not, are not getting to people, to therapists like me and others. I'm not just the only one, obviously not, but they're not getting enough and they're not, they're not reaching us. And even the therapists that know this work, the pain neuroscience and mind work, some of them are a little nervous about teaching that to their patients or they don't have enough time. If you're in a in-network setting, Fair enough. you're supposed to see 20 minutes, a patient in 20 minutes, maybe in a big open gym for orthopedic issues like knee rehabilitation yeah. and arm and shoulder where you can be in an open space and the therapist has to see three people visibly while they're working with you. Oh, I'm seeing her. Oh, she's doing okay. Oh, she's with an, an athletic trainer. Yeah, that's fine. But for pelvis, you have to be in a private room, right? Right. Um, and so... Um, again, with what I, with the timing, if a th therapist in network is seeing a pelvic pain patient for 20 minutes, there's not enough time to go over pain neuroscience education, to teach a mind exercise. They're in, let's do a stretch and then uh, do this exercise and, I'll, and I'm going to be right back. So it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't serve. So that right. was my challenge. How can I serve in a way that's accessible and affordable? this information. How is pelvic sense then fitting into that market gap? Is it really just, was it really just a simple, you know, the entire time of just leveraging technology, right? To reach a wider audience, people like help people in the comfort of their own homes. Like how, how are you guys tackling some of those bottlenecks? So the bottleneck, I uh, love that question. So yes, the being, being in tech, is opened the world for open the world to, to healing for sure because if even if you are seeing a pelvic physical therapist that may not have you know enough sessions to work with you you can supplement your own self-healing at home while you're working with the therapist so it it, it now opens the door for patients to validate that my self-healing at home is just mm -hmm. as important as me going to a practitioner. And I love the mix. I, I always say public yeah. sense is done concurrently with care. It's not instead of. If you don't have medical care, then you know, obviously read the information and start doing some of the work. But I love it concurrently with care because it balances out um, the lack of ability to get to a good practitioner or um, even afford one. Absolutely. I love the statement and not or i've been really trying to implement it more throughout my daily life where it's sometimes it's not about choosing one thing from the other it's a and like in addition to right and i think that that's taken a lot of the guesswork and perhaps some of the overthinking that i tend to do <laughs> on yes. a day-to-day -day basis but yes i did see that you had developed um an ebook as well as, which is uh, essentially an electronic book um, alongside with like an application, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, pelvic track. Is that still something that users are utilizing today? Um, well, I morphed from pelvic track was when tech was, the apps were just being sort of brought to the public in, in 2011, 2012. Um, so that was my first step into tech. Um, and I designed it with a, a patient who was an engineer, 
Um, it's not in use now because I now have upgraded, evolved into pelvic sense. Uh, so pelvic sense is really is, is an empowerment tool because one of the things I've learned with working with patients is that a lot of them don't believe that self-healing is valid. Is valid. That's a waste mm. of my time. Meditate. Do a stretch. Okay, I'll do a stretch because my therapist will ask me if I did it. But right. <laughs> hey, I know people. Listen, if I can it's get the better truth. in it's a second by doing one thing, hey, of course. But I have to do something for like a couple of months. I don't think I want to do it. But we're learning that why does one do a self-healing techniques at home for two to three months? It's because you are actively retraining rewiring the central nervous system to learn new behaviors, to learn new patterns. It's almost like if you want to learn a new language, you have to practice. The brain- That's a great, great analogy. I love that because habit tracking does take time and it requires discipline, right? And it's almost like working out. Like you actually have to put in some forth of tangible effort in the real world for yourself without being held accountable by another human being. That's, That's hard. That's girl. <laughs> that is the hardest thing. I wish we, you know, there's some cool MRI, fMRIs of the brains and you can see when people are practicing techniques and the research is showing this new baby neurons, brain cells are born. And then you yes. start seeing little extensions of those little arms to reach out to other cells that are available. And eventually over time, they connect. Yes. And then that connection is used in practice, it's stronger. So you get to override the old faulty behaviors uh, that the brain has gotten into because you are in charge of your brain, girl. Could you imagine you're in charge of your brain? You can change the way your brain behaves. This is what we're learning about neuroplasticity. That is okay, I'll stop, it's exciting. No, it is. I'm, I'm now thinking about all of the things that are correlated on my day-to-day -day life. And for some reason, I hadn't considered, you know, the pelvic region as a whole, to be frank, as something I could think about. And it's really kind of silly because if we take, take it back to the example of, for example, exercising on a day-to-day -day basis, there is this thing called mind-muscle connection. And why we wouldn't think to apply that to the pelvic region is beyond me. So I think you've just broken one of my beliefs. Lie. Okay. Okay. Well, I have something else that's going to blow your mind. So listen to this. When we worry, when we worry, um, catastrophize, ruminate, what if, oh my God, if we do it too much, the pelvic floor tightens up. First mm. thing. The first muscle, sure. is, it's a scary action. It's, it's the pelvic floor is our body's first natural defense mechanism. So a bunch sure. of women were, um, were brought to, were volunteered to do a study and they had surface electrodes placed on different parts of their body, their shoulders, their pelvic floor, inner thighs, lower back. And they were shown a film and each time a little scary bit came on the film, the first muscle that tensed up without them realizing it was a pelvic floor. So one of the mm. things to be mind muscle aware of is where's my pelvic floor? And if it went through, if I went through just now a worry phase, concerned phase, what can I do to soothe 
my pelvic floor or to soothe my nervous sure. system, really. Really what you want to do is soothe the nervous system. And so, yes, I love that connection that you bring awareness to where is my pelvic floor? Like, where is it now? Can Is it soft? Is it slightly relaxed? Can you relax it even more? Can it widen lower mm -hmm. a little bit more? Uh, a lot of women with pelvic pain have no clue. What? I have no, I don't know what, what, what where is it? How, how do I locate it? Uh, because it's been a, it's it's been in a chronic high state of tension for a long time, and it's this is day and night. So the tension doesn't go down when you sleep; it stays. So it's a habit, right? So we're getting back to learning new skills. So we're going to teach people right. how to learn a better pattern, better better habit. Absolutely. I ran some into something similar with um, my jaw, actually, when I went to the dentist. And uh, I think it was just for a general cleanup. And they had noticed that the two bones that are sticking out right behind your back teeth are actually sticking out profusely for me. And that is actually an indication that I strain my jaw or... Um, just clench, clench for extended periods of time, yes. which is typically seen in people that are highly stressed or <laughs> highly anxious. And they were kind of shocked because they're sticking out so profusely that they normally don't see this uh, until women are around age range 30 to 40. I'm 23. So <laughs> Girl, we're going to stop that. I know. Where so I've been a lot more conscientious, yes. but I, I always like to say, and I might say it on every episode, the first step to fixing a problem is recognizing that you have one and not being right anti, okay, no, you're wrong. I'm right. It does nothing for me. So as soon as I figured that out, I, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I do. I do clench my jaw throughout the day. And I, it's, it's something that I hadn't even noticed. You wow. know, I'm not doing it intentionally. Right. It's just it's automatic. Like, Right. You're clenching and it kind of, you, you do it over time. Repetition, as we had just mentioned, it's, it builds a bad habit. And to not think about the pelvic floor in the same way, and then we wonder why we're experiencing all of these negative side effects in that same vicinity. Yeah. It's just silly to not bring in some type of correlation between the two. Right. Well, you're very smart. A lot of people don't think that deeply about it. You know, so, you know, so much of us are on automatic, but once we are given that information, like you are, you're learning, which is amazing, then you can apply it without chastising yourself, without feeling right. bad. <laughs> oh, you, you person, you, you should never have done that. Well, you, you did. So let's move forward without, without criticism. So criticism, okay. jaw clenching and pelvic floor, for me, they're very connected. They're very connected. So I, part of yeah. life learning that I'm seeing with patients and through all my personal life, the more kindness one gives to yourself, the easier you feel like, right? Like, mm. how do you feel when you pat yourself on the back? Like, girl, that was a great interview I, I did. Or I'm really glad that I've had like four, I've had like so many more people on my podcast. And wow, look how many people I've, I've helped just by being on this podcast. How does that feel? Right. Versus oh, I didn't make that appointment, or I should have done that, or darn it, I'm clenching again. Like, there's a whole different energy. And guess what? The nervous system and immune system, um, in a person that's a little bit on in a pain level or uh, distress symptoms level, 
that nervous mm. and immune system is way more quick to pick up threat. Any kind of threat signal that one yeah. it gets now a threat signal doesn't have to be a physical threat anymore. It could be um, a negative thinking pattern. Um, it could be an all you know a, a work stress. Um, all those things, uh, you know, uh, a, a long-standing what-if negative catastrophization process. Those are all considered um, threats to the nervous and immune system, and that it right away it's done what we call it becomes upregulated in somebody who's having long-standing distress. Mm. Anything over four months, if you're you've medically been checked, you do not have an underlying medical cause, but yet you're still having distressful symptoms. Um, after four months, that nervous and immune system is what's called upregulated, becomes more sensitive to any kind of threat because it wants to tell the brain, hey, hey, brain, she's on the threat again. The brain becomes more automatic on sending signals of distress whenever it reaches too much threat. So let's think of it like this. You remember Harry Potter? I love, I love Harry Potter. Remember those I do too. that are want to get into Harry Potter's uncle's house? And the uncle yeah. refuses to allow it in. And then it starts to like go through the letterbox. It pours down the chimney. It gets to the fireplace. That's how threat messages are flying into the brain. The brain is like, whoa, I am so overwhelmed with threat messages. I better do a real quick job and automatically send her signals of distress. So things like sex can mm. be seen as a threat. And so it sends signals of burning and itching or urgency as a, as a, as a, as a signal of, I need to protect you. So the brain has gotten into a behavior protecting. Um, so sending those signals of distress. So once we understand that, and most of us don't know this stuff. We were, I wasn't taught this, but we're now we're learning Absolutely this, so not. now it's out there. Um, once we know why I'm having UTI signals after, inter, after sex, or I have constant itching sensation, and we understand that my brain is trying to protect me, how can I soothe? Mm. How can I soothe myself? I'm going through a, a, a fight with my boyfriend. I know it's a, that's a threat for me. Let me do something that mitigates that. Let me take a walk for 15 minutes in nature. Let me do some breathing exercise. Seriously, five minutes, three breaths of deep breathing. Something to mitigate, to balance out. And that will help you. Because, you know, in life, we're, we're going to go through through stressful periods of our life, throughout our lives. Right. So what? know that we can manage that because we're not going to allow it to get into our body in a negative way. We're not going to make it um, a threat to where the brain says, hey, I better send her pain because she's under too much threat. That's very, very fascinating. It's, yeah, the, I think just the mere fact that now we have research to kind of validate all of these points is extremely helpful. What would you say the biggest like patient 360 that you've seen throughout your career has been? Can you recall any of oh, those? I have so many. Okay. I have a piano <laughs> teacher. She was in her seventies, eight years of unable to sit on the piano stool to play. And she's a teacher. And so eight years. So she did get some good medical assessments. She got physical therapy and chiropractic care, a lot of good body work. Once sure. she got onto pelvic sense and she learned about where does, why is my brain sending signals of pain? Why, why is the brain seeing sitting on a chair as super dangerous? She couldn't sit for more mm. than five minutes on, on a chair. Um, 
So we, she went through the knowledge because you have to do knowledge. You have to understand what's going on with my nervous system, immune system, and brain. And it's, it's not written where it's so overwhelming. You just like throw the book down. It's simple. We're going to make it simple. So I made it simple. Once she understood that and she practiced, now she practiced mind exercises. Um, Mind exercise could be positive affirmations. It could be five minutes of, of mindfulness meditation or quiet inner calming. Um, we call it elicit the relaxation response because that's what the brain loves. It loves that zony five or so minutes. Mm. If you could do it once a day, 15 minutes, amazing. If you could do that. Um, and she practiced also movements because there's, there's movement. You want to have the body is also going to teach the brain that moving is safe, but we want to move it slow. So I had her do various Again, I have a whole movement program in pelvic sense. Okay, at the end of, so then we had to do something called pacing. So she said, we said, okay, you've done some of the good, you understand things, your mind, you're doing good mind work, and you're doing body work. How can we help teach your brain that sitting is safe? So we did a process called pacing where she was able to sit comfortably for, say, three minutes, three days in a row. Three minutes is fine. So we started her out with like two and a half minutes. You only sit for two and a half minutes. And then we're, each week, we're going to add 10% of time. It's a time contingent approach. It's so similar to training in the gym, like weightlifting, right? Yeah. I have like a five-day split. And every week, if I'm not increasing the number of reps, I'm, cre- I'm increasing the RPE, which is essentially the intensity that you go at per movement. There you go. Same thing. So in this way, we are increasing the brain's ability to see sitting as safe. So over 13 right. weeks, now listen, 13 weeks, it is not over a week. A lot of us give up yeah. after we don't see results after a week or two weeks. We said that, oh, that's it. We need that amount. So three months, it took her three months. She's now able to sit an hour on a hard stool with no cushion and she's able to play a piano now. I mean, that to me is amazing. Other experience years, young women who inability to tolerate intercourse. So we okay. help desensitize the vaginal tissues um, through the old pelvic sense work. And they also, we also had them use dilators. So we guide them okay. on how to see something that penetrates as safe. So dilators are small. They look like little index, little index finger size, like a tampon. We start with a very thin, tiny one, and it progresses. So they progress in those techniques of how to progress use of the dilator. So now the nervous system sees it penetration as normal and as safe because it is normal. And it is safe. It shouldn't create havoc. But in the nervous system in the past, it has. Um, so we desensitize that. So women unable to have it be... Um, be intimate with their partner, penetrative sex, able to return to penetrative sex. Wow. Yeah. We're retraining the brain and nervous system to see function as safe. Right. That's, That's pretty profound. Doing. Yeah. Uh, other people, urinary incontinence, uh, recurrent UTIs. Um, once they understood that they know that if, the, if this is the 15th time they're asked to go to that bathroom by that urge signal, and they know they haven't drank a lot of fluids to fill that bladder up. They know it comes from the brain. So they now do, now they understand that urge comes from the brain. And what can I do mm. to soften and soothe? Let me do something soothing. Let me delay. Oh, 
Because you know what happens, most people will go to the bathroom, they feel the urge, and then they go to the bathroom, there's nothing minimal comes out, but the urge comes right back again. So we that's, yes. that's not healthy. So we're not going to go to the bathroom every time you have the urge. We're going to delay it, and we're going to do some breath work. We're going to do some um, things I've mentioned before, deep diaphragmatic breathing, which helps to move the pelvic floor. When you do a deep diaphragmatic mm. breath, it physically moves that pelvic floor, gets it out of that holding sucked up tension. So you're retraining the brain and body to be at ease. And then you go into some your bladder retraining. So um, women have decreased their urinary urge, their, ur their urinary tract infection symptoms post-intimacy. Sure. Um, there's countless, I mean, there's amazing amounts of beautiful stories that the women that know that I have to do the work, and that's hard. As I said, yeah. it's it, like you say, weight training, like you're not, you're not seeing the results. You know, we are a medical, we're a society that expects go to a chiropractor, not testing anybody, go to a chiropractor, they'll mm. manipulate me. Boom. I'm feeling great. Let me take this medicine. Good. Uh, my symptoms are gone. That's great for a bridge. All these things are good for a bridge. Take the medicines. But know that the more that you enhance your self-healing skills, your soothing skills, yeah. that's the key that will take you forever without needing to go to um, you know, practitioners or have the medicines to come to go to back, yep. back again. I really love that because what you are doing is equipping people with the skill set to be more proactive versus reactive. Like me going to the chiropractor after sitting in my chair 20 hours a week, five days a week was reactive. I wasn't doing anything to prevent that right during the pandemic when we were all yeah. very sad students. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the results speak for themselves. And I do, I do like that the program is actually, quote unquote, a bit longer. I think three months is extremely appropriate for an entire lifestyle change. And what's, for me, the way I think about health and wellness is like, what's the alternative? I live with this the rest of my life or I spend three months to possibly change the way I think about love this? It. I love it. I love that you said possibly change because... It's an opening. It's like, let's see. You know what? Um, the research is proving this is available, and I might need I might right. need a little bit extra medicine here and there. I might need a little um, more time, but I'm going to get there because I know the research is out there. It's really yes. out there. There are more companies producing this type of work. My program is is geared to the pelvis, so pelvic pain, yes. lower back pain, hip related stuff urinary, sexual, bowel, constipations, all that, this is what I focus on. Um, and there are other companies doing similar type of work, but I, I, I do a little bit more. I incorporate movement because I found that you can do mind stuff as much as you'd like to, which is good. Yeah. And you can do on this learning, which is also good, but you have to do a move portion. It has to be the body and mind are, are one. They're never separated. They're never separated. Mm. I don't know why people think we're we're not separated from our body, and we're <laughs> just not. Okay, like let's let's hug. <laughs> so, I mean, I think anybody that's done yoga for a prolonged period of time understands the benefits of what it is like, and yeah. that's just you know a couple minutes out of your day. It doesn't have to be an hour long workout like I no. would 
the gym lifting weights. So Evelyn, I know that you have a ton of experience and educational information. Where can people find you? What's next? I heard inklings of potentially a podcast. Where, where can people find these resources? Um, well, certainly um, they can come to my website, which is uh, www.pelvicsense.com. So pelvic, P-E-L-V-I-C, sense, S-E-N-S-E. Uh, I, I'm right now, it's me basically supporting members on Pelvic Sense. Uh, I support mm. all people. The Pelvic Sense program is a three-month program. It costs $38 a month for three months. So it's $114. Girls like getting three manicures. So, you know, yes, three manicures literally. with Pelvic Sense. Um, and uh, I support through email. So I'm reaching out pretty regularly to all members. I have a dashboard that I see what people are doing. Um, and I write a lot of blogs on my website. I'm on Instagram at Pelvic Sense, uh, where I have videos and interviews, those more deep dives into pelvic yes. healing. So my website and my Insta account is, is active. Fantastic. Three books you recommend to the audience. All right. You on the spot. Alan Gordon, The Way Out. Okay. Uh, Howard Schubiner, Dr. Howard Schubiner, Unlearn Your Pain. And um, the body keeps the score. I forgot the name of the author. The body keeps the score. Talks about past traumas that may be okay. uh, involved with why you're having some of your symptoms and the healing is possible. So mm. I think those three are golden nuggets. And of course, my program, Pelvic Sense, which has a lot of detailed knowledge and uh, a practical experience uh, that I guide you through. So basically, I have a trio of healing skills, learn, which is educational, uh, about 10 minute right. read or listen. It's a, you can podcast it, listen it to it. Um, rewire our guided audios with music. And I incorporate a wide variety of healing mind techniques, expressive writing, um, positive affirmations, a gra gratitude work, self compassion. I use I've taken people's work like Christian Neff. That's another good one. Christian Neff's work on self-compassion. Amazing. Um, and uh, so I take all these uh, evidence-based, deeply science-researched, practical uh, um, guidelines and place it in pelvic sense. So you don't have to like, where do I go? How, how do I find things? It's all there. And if you love right. something, you can deep dive into, like I said, you know, the expressive writings, James Pennebaker is a doctor that came up with expressive journaling. Um, and why, why is it important? Mm. Good. So rewire our audio guides with music and then move our, the whole 45 different body exercises, movements and awareness of movement. So you can move gently from calm to then more core stabilization and moving on further into more strength. I love that. I love the progression. I love that everything is in one place and easily accessible. I will link all of the books as well as your website in the description link for anybody that's interested in just touching the tip of the iceberg or diving full in into the program, you know, because I feel like there's a wide array of people struggling with various severities of pelvic issues. So, um, 
Yes. To be honest, I might have to just do a deep dive into the program itself at this I'd point. I'd love to because... support you. <laughs> yes, please do. I'd be happy to support you. Um, and, you know, there are, I think that the last stats I found were that there's, I think it was 25 million women in the States are diagnosed with chronic pelvic pain, and that could be an umbrella for IC, interstitial cystitis, endometriosis. So all of these women with these, you know, dysfunctions, devastating, can learn how to heal while they're getting medical care. Um, and so my hope is that at some point, most physicians who see patients who are devastated with their symptoms say, I'm gonna help you medically, and you're gonna do a self-healing program concurrently. Let's start this today. Mm. I would love to see more of that. I know just from researching urinary tract infections in the U.S., the numbers are increasing exponentially on a year-to-year -year basis. Going back the past 30, 40 years, I believe it was the journal that I was looking into. And that only based off of a result of this discussion leads me to think that there will be more women essentially in the pipeline of potentially developing those pelvic issues in the long term post infection. So yes. yeah, I would love to see more of that in parallel. Yes. Or at least just, you know, give women I'm hoping that we gave the audience here um a little food for thought and just put it on their radar in case it does come up, right? Like one in three women is going to get a urinary tract infection in her life. So. Yeah. 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 And while it's great to rule it out, you know, rule out the medical cause of it, if you're starting to see too many things, too much happening, I'm, one should not get an infection every week, every month. That's not normal. Right. It should not happen. Um, so exactly. then let's look into this nervous and immune system and what can I do to send soothing? So I, my brain doesn't send those triggers to me. It sends more of those dopamines, endorphins. The serotonin is released from the gut more. Hey, you know, we have a walking, I know we're done, but we have a walking medical drug cabinet in our brain that has the most potent cannabinoids, oxytocin, mm, the best yes. drugs in the world that we are not addicted to, that it floods when we are in a, um, in a healthy way. So that's what my hope is, that yeah. we can have more of that and be resilient with various stresses in life. Um, and we don't feel the effects of stress on our physical, immune, and body. Resilient, better equipped, health and wellness is a journey, not a destination. Evelyn, it was a pleasure <laughs> having you here today. Thank you so much for inviting. I hope I enlightened you and some of your members. Thank you. You absolutely did. Thank you. Thank you.